This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Studio. Contact them at gettoasted at toastedmarshmallowadventures.com for all of your podcast production needs. I was in the right place at the right time. I totally weaseled my way in is what I did. Yeah. So, you know, AJ Popke, I traveled with him for the last four years of his life. And I basically told him, I'm like, listen, AJ, I said, you need somebody to take this over <laughs> when you can't travel anymore. Because he died when he was 86 and he was still traveling. And so anyway, so I was at a conference with AJ and I told him that you need somebody to take this over. I said, you know, you need to mentor somebody so that they can keep what you've developed going. And he's like, that's a phenomenal idea. And I'm like, and I know the person that you need to do that with. Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yep. And he's like, okay. I, he goes, I'll think about it. And then like three weeks later, he calls me. He's like, did you book your ticket? I'm like, my ticket for what? He's like, well, so you can go to the trainings with me. He's like, we're going to Louisiana in like three weeks. Get your ticket. It's like, all right, <laughs> I'm there. So, yeah. So I got to be mastered by or mentored by the master. Oh, so I mean, literally, he was Francine Shapiro was renting a room from him when she discovered EMDR. Oh my gosh, like yeah. the real Shapiro. Yeah. So, I mean, he's responsible for the organization because he was a business person. Um, he worked for NASA. He was the first with LED lights. He was the first for voice recognition software. He had a hundred people on his sales team. Wow. So he was, he was definitely the business mind, and it. EMDR made such an impact on his life that he just started, like literally he was doing EMDR before he was a therapist. Wow. And so he went back to school in his late fifties to become a therapist and then got his PhD when he was, I believe it was 73, 74, somewhere in there. So yeah. That's good stuff. It's, yeah, it was phenomenal. Good morning and welcome to Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with Amy and Mo. Good morning. Welcome to Not Everybody Gets a Trophy. Monday, 5 a.m. Today we are going to have an amazing host. Unfortunately, Amy, Princess Amy, is not going to be joining us today. She is out of town, but I'm sure she is listening. And she better be waking up at 5 a.m. to hear this. Um, but today, like I said, we are going to be hearing more about EMDR other types of treatment that I claim to know, but I don't think I do. But I do know more than the average Joe. Today, we're going to be with a person who works at Northwest uh, Wellness Center in Nampa, along with other therapists who truly believe in this work, who believe in the brain, rewiring the brain, thinking outside the box, and doing whatever it takes to hit the core beliefs, to to identify the issues at hand, and not blame the coping skills outside of it, which we struggle today in the disease model. I preach a lot about, about that, which I get in trouble for at work. But I'm bringing in somebody so you guys can learn more, not from my mouth, not from somebody else, but from a person who tr who trains other therapists and who I have the pleasure to know in since grad school. At oh, one wow. point, yeah. <laughs> at one point, I, I could say that I, I knew more 
um, than he did because I did my research on EMDR. But after that, he kind of became the guru of EMDR trauma. And uh, I want to welcome Stephen Ammon. Thank you. Into our podcast this morning. I'm excited. Thank you for joining us. I, this is very exciting for me because it's my passion. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, honor. Tell me more about how you got involved in this track. So my very first master's class, um, Janelle Stoffer was the professor. So, and she did a live EMDR demonstration class and you could literally see something change in the person's affect or how they looked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that because it was noticeable. There was a noticeable shift in this person. And so um, I wasn't s supposed to graduate. Well, I did graduate in December and I went ahead and got trained in EMDR that August before graduation. So, so for those who don't know, what, what is EMDR? What does that stand for? EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and, rent and reprocessing. And the way it works is we use bilateral stimulation. So you can use eye movements back and forth. You can use tapping from left side to right side of the body back and forth, or even audio. So you can wear earphones where there's a beep that goes from left to right, left to right. And what happens, we have a bundle of nerves in the top of our uh, brain that connect the left and right hemisphere called our corpus callosum. And that really is a valve to keep things separate during conscious awakeness. During REM sleep, which is the only time we dream, also the only time our bodies rejuvenate is during REM sleep, that valve is opened up from the rapid eye movement. And we dream not because we had bad pizza, but because there's something going on in our life and our brain is trying to make sense out of it. And so it's trying to pull things from the right side, which is our unprocessed side, over to the left side. So um, unfortunately, we live in a world where we experience lots of things we were never supposed to experience. Yes. And stuff gets stuck. And you mentioned coping skills and all the coping skills in the world are not going to get you unstuck. Coping skills, unhealthy behaviors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And even like, you know, a lot of times people go to inpatient treatment centers and intensive outpatient treatment centers, and they'll learn a bunch of coping skills of what to do when they get activated. Well, if they're getting activated, another word for triggered, like the part of their brain that does all the higher reasoning is completely offline. So they're not going to be able to access the good, healthy coping skills if they're being activated. Can, can you give the audience a little bit of kind of what you're talking about, like mm -hmm. an, an example? Yeah. So when somebody gets activated or triggered and they usually turn to, I have a special certification in sexual addiction, so let's say pornography. Mm -hmm. So they get activated and their natural response is to go look at pornography. And they go to these places where they teach them healthy coping skills where they can like do box breathing or they can counting you know, cards, counting cards, breathing. Yes. All of those things. Notice the stuff in the room. Like that's all great unless you're being really activated, because if you are, you automatically start operating out of your limbic system 
and all of that resourcing that they did for coping skills is activated in your prefrontal cortex. And you don't have access to that if you're being triggered. So you default to what you've always done. Yeah, absolutely. Your very subconscious yeah. self. Which really is just a coping skill. I mean, everybody calls them addictions. I call them coping skills. Amazing. They're just really bad coping skills that are causing a lot of problems in your life. And they might have been effective in the very beginning. And you might have had a choice whether you were going to do them in the very beginning. But as that neural pathway becomes hardwired, it becomes a super highway in your brain. And you lose the ability to choose something different. Does it become some like a trait? Um, I don't know that I've ever thought about it as a trait. Definitely, it's your go-to. Yeah. And I also believe that... I'll, like, I'll probably get a bunch of pushback for this, but I don't care. Yes, um, let's do it. So the DSM, like that whole book, I can boil down to trauma. I'm right there with you. Because trauma gets us in our flight, fight, or freeze response, our sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system. And then we start living out of that. And the body can only do that for so long before it has to figure out a way to relieve that pressure. Absolutely. So, and it's looking at porn, it's drinking alcohol, it's like shopping on Amazon and getting a hit when you drive in your driveway and see the Amazon pox on your porch, you know? Yeah. doesn't matter what it is. It's all the same process in the brain, which, which I probably people disagree with this too, but I also believe that the healing process is the same. If it's the same hardwired process of dysfunction in the brain for all addictive behaviors, I've discovered that the healing process is the same. Okay. So yeah. I, you know, the big, the big buzz is we tailor fit your recovery process to your individual needs. I don't think we humans are all that different. And so I've been running my program. I just counted up. I've done my program with over 150 people. And I've done the same thing with everyone. And I would put my success numbers up against any treatment center in the world. Yeah. One of the cool things that I read that you do is that you do these intensive EMDR sessions. Yes. If once, I mean, if, if you can't get one, like... <laughs> I mean, you're going to get addicted to this thing, right? Yeah. It's like if you're going to have an addiction, have an addiction <laughs> with the MDR yeah. because it's good. It's, it's good for you. Yeah. So what does that entail? What does that look like? Who are the perfect people to do it? Kids? I mean, who adolescents? So let me tell you a little bit about how it started first. So I had something happen traumatic in my life with some illness stuff. And I don't know if I had panic attacks, but if I didn't, it was the closest thing I've ever experienced to it. So I called an uh, EMDR therapist friend of mine, uh, Katie O'Shea, and we did 20 hours of therapy in 10 days of EMDR, like solid 10 hours or 10 days for 20 hours. And I had done hundreds of hours of talk therapy before that. I'd done like two 12-day experiential retreats, like all of these other types of therapy. And I knew why I did the things I did but it didn't help me not do them. And when I did the EMDR, it changed my life. Like literally my, somebody could say something in the same tone that could kind of in the past would have triggered a response. 
and my body just didn't react anymore. And it wasn't like I was trying not to, it just didn't. And I'm like, why in the heck are we not doing this all the time? Like, why are we doing therapy on a weekly basis where we, even with EMDR, you bring somebody in for an hour, you open up the trauma. And if you don't get it completely cleared, then you're like, okay, put that in your container and we'll see you next week. Well, you're, to me, the common sense thing to look at is like, well, you're reactivating that old trauma response and you're actually making it stronger because you didn't clear it. Mm-hmm. And so um, back in 2017, I started doing intensives. Um, I do it in a three-day setting, do 20 hour, 18 to 20 hours over those three days. And I developed a protocol um, kind of loosely based off of what Katie does. And we start at generational trauma, epigenetics, and move to present day over those 18 to 20 hours. And it's the most thorough protocol that I've ever heard of anywhere in any type of therapy. Yeah. Because we hold space in all of those developmental stages and allow the body to release the trauma. And it has to get to the body level. So you said epigenetics. A lot of people don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, so, Bruce Lipton, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. If you, yep. and, and, so Bruce Lipton, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and Joe Dispenza are, are two awesome. people that say, if you can't afford counseling and there's nothing but bad counsels out there, listen to these two guys yeah. for 30 days. And I can guarantee you. It'll change something. It'll change yeah. something. So tell me more about epigenetics. So we've known for 60 plus years that children of alcoholics are predisposed to alcoholism. Not a guarantee they're going to be an alcoholic, but high probability that they could struggle with alcohol. That is epigenetics. So their DNA didn't change, but the switch on the DNA sequencing from their parents got turned on and passed down. And full disclosure, that was probably one of the biggest healing parts of my own 20 hours of therapy. Mm-hmm was she told me to focus on before my conception. And I was like, how the hell am I supposed to do that? And why does it even matter? Exactly. That's what right. I thought. Exactly. Until I had the response I had. So my dad was in Vietnam. He was home for probably about 12 to 18 months before I was born. My mom was, had a baby right after he left for Vietnam. So she was scared she was going to be a single mom. So she was under all this stress. My dad was probably scared to death that he would make it home. And I didn't realize until I was an adult and it was gone that I had this low level anxiety my whole adult life. And in a moment in time, in a session, it was completely cleared. And I sat there in disbelief. I was like, oh my gosh, you mean this is what relaxed is supposed to feel like? I was 40 years old. Like first time. Not trying so, and that's why I tell people it's once you understand that life should not be this hard. Yes, it releases this pressure. Like, yeah, it's it's huge. Connecting the dots because our bodies were not designed to live under that stress, and so they're always going to move towards the body's always going to move towards resolution. You know, when we break or cut, the body knits itself back together. The bone literally knits itself back together. It doesn't try to avoid. Nope. And say, you're not going to fix yourself. Right. I'm going to look at my right hand versus my left hand. Yep. And so if the body does that, I don't believe our brain's any different. So given the right platform, 
it's always going to move towards healing. What is the best time to come to an EMDR therapist? Because I, I, I hear different stories. Mm-hmm. I hear, no, 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 no. You have to wait until until X, Y, and Z. You just got out of impatient. Don't do it. You know, you just had a baby. Don't do it. You just got to the divorce. Wait until you clear that. What, what, what's your opinion on this? So we used to get this question all the time when we were out training other EMDR therapists. And like they're like, well, when would you know to start EMDR? And I'm like, when they walked in my office. <laughs> and they're like, well, what if they're too fragile? And I'm like, well, what if the therapist is too fragile? <laughs> That's a great answer. Because that client has been carrying that crap around their whole life. So what makes you think that them talking about it or processing through it with EMDR is not going to be helpful? And when it's in a three-day setting, you don't have to worry about sending them home triggered and activated. And I'm not, you know, a lot of EMDR therapists will spend session after session after session doing resourcing which is coping skills, basically. Um, I do two. Takes me about 30 minutes to do both of them, and then we get right into processing the trauma. And I know my situation is a little different because I'm only doing it in intensive. Mm-hmm. So maybe I would do things different if I was doing hourly. Maybe not. Yeah. I just think humans have a lot more resiliency than we give them credit for. Yeah. And and like you said, the brain knows how to take care of itself. Yeah. Right. It's going to do what it needs to do to take care of itself. And we put these thoughts, we allow yeah. the thoughts to say, well, I don't want to talk about my dad dying because if I do, then, and, 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 and that's what activated and because and... I was a bad son, hypothetically. Yeah. And then I go to counseling and do some CBT and CBT teaches you to kind of cope Change your thought process. Which <laughs> another word for cope is to deal with. I always say, well, is that a good or a bad? And I'm like, well, do I want to deal with my wife? Do I want to cope with my wife? Or do I just want to love my wife? If you're like, oh, you have to change the perspective sometimes yeah. on, on things. And we're all meant to be connected. That's our core of who we are. We have mirror neurons in our brain. It's all about connecting us to other people. What is, what is mirror neurons? So mirror neurons are when somebody does something that you're in proximity to activates those neurons in our brain as well. So you, so yeah. I can be right next to you, not say a word and just be tra- like just triggered in theory. Kind of. Kind of. And I could experience something of what that is like for you. So um, I think it's part of empathy. Mm-hmm. We have empathy for people. I forget who it was I was talking to this about. And they're like, when you scratch your head, the part of your brain that lights up also lights up in the person that's there with you. Wow. It's fascinating. <laughs> I was like, okay. wow. I mean, I don't remember who told me that. I didn't go research it. It's kind of made common sense to me. Yeah. If, if we are truly connected beings and we know, um, I have an equine therapist that I work with some and we talk about how in EMDR, we sit close to the client, like four to six feet because there's this connected energy space between us. 
and a human's I think is like up to 10 feet and a horse's is up to like 80 because they're a flight animal. That's how they survived Mm -hmm. from the wild animals in the. Yeah. So before I ask you the next question, I want um, just to know more about kind of how you started uh, as you know, I think you, you mentioned something um, about your, the person who taught you to, Mm-hmm. To be a, an amazing therapist, can you, can you touch a little bit about that? About, yeah. So, um, right after that experience with Janelle, she was hosting a training where Katie O'Shea was doing a two-day training, and she said any of the students could go for free if they wanted to. And Katie, she's been doing this since the late 80s, EMDR. She actually went to another training conference in California. It was right after the big earthquakes and the trainer didn't show up and Francine Shapiro happened to be there. And so Francine, where they were all kind of talking like, what are we going to do? There's no trainer. And Francine was like, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah. Fran, Fran, Francine Shapiro, she is the, she developed EMDR. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she's the one that discovered it. Um, so anyway, she, they're at the training, all these people. And so Francine's like, well, I've been working on this thing. If you guys want me to like, kind of teach you what I've been learning with that. And so Katie was at the first training before it was even a training and she lives right here in Nampa. So she's been a huge resource for me and my clinical skills. Um, and then somebody else. So, uh, Victor Dernal, um, he was my supervisor during my internship. And when I got trained, he was also an EMDR therapist. And he told me, he goes, you really can't mess it up. And I just believed him. And I've told him (laughs) that in the, like, years later, we've had this discussion. He goes, I do not remember telling you that. I'm like, well, that's what I heard. You might not have said that, but that is what I heard. And I just believed it. And so, like, literally, as soon as I got trained, I had some good friends that were what I considered pretty emotionally healthy people. And I'm like, hey, would you come and sit with me for a couple hours? I want to practice EMDR on you. And even those people had amazing transformations. And so I was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. So, and I just started going to every training, listened to every podcast, like training video, anything I could get my hands on. In a, in a profession, one of the things I tell people, if you're a social worker, you have to want it to be a good therapist because it's not, it's not something that you go to school and they train you. They just kind of, you go there kind of for that paper to be able to do certain things. Then you leave and you go learn how to be a therapist. Right. Really. And and one of the reasons why I asked you about your experience, who you work with is because there, now there's that, Oh my gosh. So this guy is not speaking out of like, this is not just some random Joe off the street who believes these things. I mean, you, you've had pretty good exposure to the people who actually were involved in creating EMDR, yeah. which is now all over the world. Oh, yeah. There's hundreds of thousands of therapists trained in probably 60 countries. And, yeah, I was, was kind of lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time or 
insert yeah. myself in the yeah. right place at the right time. And I have the privilege to say that I knew more than you did. <laughs> That's cool. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> well, next time I bring a trainer down here to get for EMDR training, you got to come. <laughs> yeah. um, so one of the things that I see, you know, I, I work, I've worked on an, an inpatient um, mm-hmm. facilities is that I get a lot of people who come in and say EMDR is the worst thing has ever happened to me. Um, how, as a person who does not understand, who doesn't know what they don't know, how does somebody go into a therapist, like in the setting and know what they're looking for and, and not be triggered? Cause talking about the pros and cons of what could happen if it goes wrong. So I think training's a big thing. Like I'm EMDR certified. I'm also a consultant. So looking for those credentials I think would be something to kind of at least know you're kind of on the right path if you don't have any other like referrals or anything like that and I've heard that a lot too right because one person (laughs) if I open a restaurant one person can ruin it for me oh absolutely one one bad review and it's 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 and I feel like it's happening with with the MDR and I've said this before in some in one of my classes just because I have the money to go buy the Jordans it doesn't make me a basketball player. Exactly. It just meant that I had enough money to go buy the Jordans. No different than a therapist can go out, pay $3,000, get certified, and be the worst therapist there is. So a lot of times when I'm giving my talks, I'm like, you know, there's, and I used to be a plumber. So, I've, and I really feel like coming into this field was a calling on my life. Like it wasn't something I ever had intention of doing or anything like that. Um, and so I always tell people, I'm like, you know, when I was a plumber, there was really good plumbers and there were plumbers I wouldn't let plumb my dog house, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. because they just, it wasn't their passion. It was just a job. So I think finding a therapist that feels like this is a calling is a really good place to start. Yeah. And that's hard to find without referrals. And, and the other thing is, once you do hypothetically find that therapist, to get into a good therapist, so yeah, it, it's it's ways out. So my next opening right now is in November. Yeah, so then that's the other issue we're facing because, you know, we're we're saying on one end, don't wait to address your trauma. Right. The sooner the better. But then there isn't any opening, yeah. especially with COVID uh, now. And, you know, another question is whether it is safe enough to do it over or Zoom and so, virtually. Like, what are the pros yeah, and cons of that? Yeah. So I don't want to start any arguments here. But um, <laughs> I saw people face to face through this whole thing with no mask. My kids have been in school this whole time with no mask. And there's been no outbreaks. Nobody's died. I think getting emotionally healthy is extremely, extremely important for our immune system. So if you're healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically, and nutritionally, our immune system will do what it's supposed to do. So COVID went through our house. My parents had it. They're 78 and 76. They recovered. And I've started training. I've got like four other people that I've been training to do what I do. And so that's been extremely helpful to be able to bring those people in to help out 
with the caseload. So, cause once the word gets out, like my website's horrible. <laughs> Mine is too. <laughs> so, but it doesn't matter because of referrals. Thank you. you. Know? And that's when I own my own construction business, I didn't advertise either. It was all word of mouth referrals. Yeah. So, and in 2008, I had a year of work lined up, which is when the market crashed. Is that when we went back to school? So, yes. That's when we met? Yeah. Well, no. So in 2008, I actually started my undergrad. So I had to do that. Start from the bottom. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, was a, it was a big adjustment and commitment. Yeah. One of the things that goes with our title, not everyone gets a trophy, is because you would be one of those people who doesn't get a trophy that not many people know about, right? And, and maybe it's it's life guiding you to you um but this kind of like the point of the show is to bring in people who like we don't care about the trophy no. like we don't and at the end of the day we want to help our community and i've i've been working with an organization that brings in um, first responders tell me more about that and it's it's amazing um and I'll do whatever I can to help those guys and ladies. So I had uh, about two years ago, I had an incident. Um, I won't bring confidentiality or anything, but um, there was a patrol officer um, in one of the local communities in this area, in the valley. And he pretty much had a nervous breakdown in the middle of his shift. So his lieutenant and captain brought him to my office. And that was on a Friday. I had scheduled the next week off. And so I came in and saw him and ran him through our program, which is five days. Um, and two weeks later, I met with the captain and him. And he was fully released back to, to active duty. And the captain said, this was miraculous. He's like, I've never seen anything like this in all the years I've been doing this. Which raises the question as to why why are why, we are doing this? Why are we doing yes. this? Right, yeah. and, it's, and it comes down to money. It is. It's ex, it's expensive, and I don't take insurance because insurance tells me that I can only do therapy for one hour a week, and the trauma is not okay. Uh, yeah, and that just I'm like, no, that they guide irresponsible. They guide your your session. Oh, they control everything, and then when you do try to follow the rules, then they want to try to deny you your claims and stuff like that. And so it's just a bunch of hoops that, yeah, it yeah. makes it not and, very effective. And do it for yourself. On our last episode, we talked about doing it for yourself. And I think that's one of these things is if, if you allow it to sit, then, then you're okay with it. So if you are struggling with something that continues to trigger and trigger and trigger, at some point you have to do something different. Right. And, and that's if that's saving money to to pay for a good therapist, then do it. You're a month out, two months out. I mean, by the time you get into it, you probably could could, yeah. could pay for it. Well, and I always especially when I'm working with people that struggle with an addictive behavior or something like that. And they're a little resistant. And I'm like, well, remember, your best thinking got you to where you are today. And not to be rude, but just to be honest about. Like, if you could have fixed this, you would have. 
you've tried so many other things. And it's unfortunate that you've had to go through so many other things to get to where you are now. But I'm just really confident what I have is different. Yeah. I love that. Your best thinking. Got you where you are today. That, I'm going to quote you on that. I'm going to start. You know. And that's the same for me. I'm no different. That's why I have a group of guys that I meet with almost every week. Because I have blind spots, believe it or not. Ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and so those guys know my story and they hold me accountable. And if I'm making a big decision, I talk about it with them. Should I buy that new truck? <laughs> <laughs> that probably not because they're all like, yeah, yeah man, get it. it. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that I always tell people is ask your therapist who their therapist is. Yep. I, I tell clients all the time. I'm like, don't trust a therapist that doesn't have one. Yeah. And I think that in, Janelle Stafford is one that in, at Billy and Green does because if you suck, I'm going to your therapist. And, and if he sucks, I'm going to find somebody to ultimately... Teach me. me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. I, I love that you were able to come in into our show. Is there anything else I'm missing about EMDR and what we can tell our audience to either give it another shot because if they had a poor experience or think outside the box here? I had, a, I had an EMDR therapist that asked me if I would see her husband. And I said, sure. And so he comes in and he's like, well, just so you know, he's like, EMDR doesn't work for me. I said, okay. I said, all right. I said, how about we do this? I said, you give me one session. If it doesn't work, and this was when I was still doing hourly. I said, if you don't feel any different, I won't charge you for it. Really? Sure. And at the end of the session, he's like, all right. He's like, let's get on a regular schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you just have to find somebody that you can work with. And that's got the skill set that you need. You know, yeah. And I'm not a like. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not batting a hundred percent. You know. Mm -hmm. So there's some people that they're where they're at. Um, maybe I wasn't the best therapist for them, or something. But but that's you know, part. Not, of, that's your responsibility as a therapist. That if this is not working, I'm going to refer you to somebody else. Absolutely. I'm not going to keep seeing you for years. Like. One of the things I love about our job is I get to hear people's stories. Yeah. I don't want to hear the same story for four or five years. Yeah. Like if I can't get you where you want to be, then I'm going to refer you to somebody else. And that's one of the reasons why um, we purchased the Saraset franchise, um, which allows our brain to hear itself. And because of that hardwired ability to move towards resolution, if the brain hears that certain frequencies are out of balance or overactivated or shut down, it's going to build new neural pathways to bring itself back into balance. What is that called again? Saraset. Saraset. So what you're saying is I can plug in some headphones. So you, you come, you sit in a chair with your eyes closed for about 90 minutes and do that four or five days in a row, kind of depending upon how the data changes. And you listen to your brain. So we use EEG sensors, which are basically just little microphones. There's no electrical shock or anything like that. It's literally, we're just taking the brain frequencies, translating them into an engineered tone that's played back to the client in real time. 
So exactly what you're hearing and your brain is doing in that exact moment, you're hearing. And it kind of sounds like, we say it sounds like a four-year-old on a piano. It's like, <laughs> ding, dong, ding, <laughs> dong, dong, ding, ding, dong. And that is your brain frequencies. And the, the developer and those guys that Sarah said in their R&D, they've done a phenomenal job at keeping up with advancing the technology. So like several years ago, you had to come in for like 10 sessions over a week. Right. It's very intensive. Now it's five sessions over a week. The Department of Defense actually did a pilot study several years ago on brain injuries, so traumatic brain injuries. And the results were so phenomenal that they actually set up a research facility at Fort Bragg for Sarasat. Wow. And they're just getting ready to publish the the first study. That's and, exciting. And he said it's phenomenal. And they did they were looking both at TBIs and PTSD. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if, if if we can if we can do that on an inpatient, you oh, know yeah. the impact that it would have on, on I think if every inpatient treatment center just added Saraset it would totally change their outcomes. One thing I, I would say is you're one skill away, one skill away yeah, from accomplishing your goal. And I'm not stopped learning. Like I'm still looking, like if I can find something that makes it faster or more effective, I'm all about that. Like I don't pretend to think that I've arrived somewhere. Like I start another training tomorrow or tonight, actually Thursday. So another modality. So who knows, maybe uh, by the end of the year, I'll come back and talk about that. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I really want to have you come back uh, in a couple more episodes to talk about more about is it, uh, the, the brain spotting. Mm -hmm. it, it's sort of newer, right? Yeah. Um, it, the guy that developed it was an EMDR therapist that started noticing as he was doing eye movements with people, sometimes their eyes would lock in certain positions. So, and I actually have experienced that and we do, we do live demos at our trainings and a couple of the clients that I was working with would like lock up on a certain spot. And yeah. so almost like, like, like when we think we look yeah. up. Yep. Exactly. Right. When we get nervous, sometimes, you know, yep. like ask your wife, ask your partner, they probably know what, <laughs> what, your what brain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spotting is, right? Because when yeah. you get nervous, you might look left or right. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Steven, thank you so much for, for being here with us, yeah. educating us on EMDR. Um, anything else you want to say out there? I love anytime I get the chance to talk about this, I'm always up for that. So I, it's uh, your passion that moves. It is. It is. It's, I love going to work every day. I didn't always used to be able to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go do some EMDR so I can say that soon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Thank you for having me, Mo. Thank you, Stephen. Um, you work at Anampa, right? Yep. Northwest Wellness Center, IdahoNWC.com. And you work with uh, other therapists. Janelle Stafford is also in yep. the office. Janelle's there. Katie O'Shea's there. Barry McGuire. Oh my gosh! So so. There's a there's a whole list. The one thing I will add one other thing. So I've been doing this intensive with individuals. So two years ago. I had a therapist from Boise call me and he goes, Hey, some good friends of mine from Alaska, they're in a mess. 
Like, I'm not sure their marriage is going to make it. I told them before they file for divorce, they have to come down here and see you. I was like, dude, don't put that pressure <laughs> on me, man. <laughs> and so, um, Barry McGuire, um, I've been mentoring him for years on this life scan protocol. And so he's very, very gifted at it. And so him and I were going to work with this couple individually. So I said, well, why not at the end of the week, why don't you do two days of couples therapy? He's an EFT therapist, which is mostly focused therapy, mm -hmm. which really looks at the, uh, the marriage relationship or any relationship really for that matter from an attachment perspective. And so they came in on, on Monday morning, we all four of us met and I asked them what they wanted. And the gentleman gave a typical kind of surface answer, be a better dad and a better this and a better that. And I looked at the wife and I said, well, what would you like to get out of it? And she goes this much hope. And she held her fingers up almost touching. She goes, cause I'm done. And at the end of the week, like they were like two high school kids in love. It was bizarre. And Barry came to me and he goes, I think we've stumbled upon something. Because when you spend three days of desensitizing all of their wounds and their resentments and the walls they build with their relationship, when they get into the couples therapy, Barry goes, I can do year of weekly couples therapy in one day after three days of EMDR. So he won't see clients anymore for an hour at a time. He only books one day's intensives for couples therapy. And he goes, we can get so much more done. And so we started doing that um, about two years ago. We've, we've not done a ton of them, um, probably 16 to 20 couples. Yeah. But I will say that one has been 100% so far. Wow. It probably won't always be. But 100% of our couples at the end of the week have been like, I've never felt closer to my spouse than I do in this moment. And we've had people, couples from Alaska, Hawaii, Northern California, Arizona, North Carolina, Atlanta. We get couples that call us and we sort of like, how'd you get our name? <laughs> you know, and it's that, is, like, that is truly yeah. amazing, impactful. It gives hope to other people yeah. listening. And that's kind of what we want to promote yeah. is that there is. There's answers. You there's don't have to suffer. You do not have to suffer. It's not the way it was intended. Yeah. You do not have to continue to overcompensate. At the end of the day. That's exactly right. So thank you so much, Stephen, for being here with us today. Amy, we missed you. We yeah. will see you next week. Tune in um, for Amy. She's going to have a special speaker. Um, can't remember what it was, but <laughs> join us good, I'm sure. <laughs> five o'clock in the morning, Mondays, they go out and I'm going to be putting out more information about EMDR, about Steven, um, and uh, more resources on our website. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.